Welcome to the Biner Family Speaker Series, a podcast dedicated to high-level research on contemporary anti-Semitism by fostering productive and collegial discussion of the most pertinent issues before us. Hosted by the Indiana University Institute for the Study of Contemporary Anti-Semitism. For more information about this speaker series, ISCA news, or videos of past webinars, please visit our website at isca.indiana.edu. And now to present our speaker, Dr. Alvin H. Rosenfeld. Special thanks, Yehudit, for joining us today. You and I, well, you and I met a long, long time ago when we were both doing things at the American Jewish Committee. I've been in touch ever since. When we met in New York City a few months ago, things were uh, tense, but nowhere near as explosive as they've become over the last few weeks. Uh, At the time, it made good sense for us to feature you in a webinar presentation on Islamist anti-Semitism in America. The subject was pertinent then, it's all the more pertinent now. So we really couldn't be more pleased than to have you with us today. Uh, Many of us who uh, study anti-Semitism Um, pay attention, of course, to Islamist uh, developments, but very, very few of us have knowledge of Arabic. So we read about this in secondary sources. Yehudit is uh, distinctive in this regard. Uh, She does command Arabic. She studied the language and associated subjects at NYU University, has published widely on aspects of it, and it's our good fortune to have her offer her uh, insights and expertise today on the subject at hand. Uh, Yehudit, it's my pleasure now to turn over to you. Thank you very much. Um, It's really a pleasure to be here, and I want to thank you for the opportunity to uh, what has become um, a very, very timely and important subject and um, a a subject of great concern for people in the Jewish community and uh, Jewish people throughout the world, as well as uh, many, many others um, who are concerned about peace in the world uh, and and humanity in the world. So um, at Rutgers University, at Cooper Union, University of Georgia, uh, and the University of Cincinnati, in some cases, there are, there have been people uh, from uh, or, or particular organizations that have called out, particularly against Israelis or particularly against Jews, and saying go go and attack, go and attack a particular student because he's Jewish, or go and attack a particular student because he's Israeli. Um, but at the, the University of Cincinnati, uh, there was a Jewish student wearing a necklace with Hebrew letters on it. And uh, as they were, they were being harassed by a group of students who, who said to them, you should throw that necklace in the trash where your people belong. And this, I think, represents the, uh, the crossover between uh, what some people would like to say is anti-Zionism to anti-Semitism. And what we're seeing that there really is no, there is no longer, if there ever was, there is no longer any uh, division between those two things that the Jewish people and Jewish people on campus are, are being connected to Israel and that Israel is connected to the Jewish people. 
uh, and that the excuses of, of some people to say that we're only being anti-Zionist is, is no longer, uh, is the, the line has been broken. And that's basically, we're looking at people who are attacking Jews because of, um, because of what happened in Israel. So um, I'd like to also note that Hamas has had a very long history, uh, which I will get into in a couple of, a couple of minutes, uh, with regard to its attitude toward Jews. And what we saw on October 7th was a culmination and fulfillment of the ideology of Hamas, uh, which is a radical extremist movement does not represent the majority of Muslims, neither, neither in uh, the Palestinian territories nor in the world. But this, this ideology is something that has become much more uh, much more brutal and savage as we saw on October 7th. And I think that it is a wake up call um, for, for all of us, especially those who studied this movement for so long, but also for everyone else to see what we, what we did see on the, on the 7th of October. So with that, let me, um, let me start with uh, explaining, giving the background and explaining um, these movements as well as their relationship to the United States. So Hamas itself was established in late 1987. Uh, they are the uh, Palestinian counterpart, the Palestinian branch of the Muslim Brotherhood. And this slogan, Allah is our goal, the Quran is our constitution, the Prophet Muhammad is our model, Shahad is our path, death for the sake of Allah is our highest aspiration, is a slogan of the Muslim Brotherhood. And you can, you can see from the... Um, the uh, image on the right-hand side, which is the symbol of the movement, at the very top is a map of what many people would recognize as a map of, of Israel. Um, it includes all of Israel, and it includes the Palestinian territory uh, areas, Palestinian Authority areas of the of the West Bank, as well as Gaza. You can also see uh, the Palestinian flag on both sides. On one side is, is the uh, Islamic creed that there is no God but Allah. And on the left-hand side, Muhammad Rasulullah, that Muhammad is the, is the messenger of God. And then you see the, um, below the map uh, in, the, in the center is the Al-Aqsa Mosque and the crossed swords denoting jihad. Below that says Palestine, Palestine. And then below on the very bottom, Harakat Al-Muqawama Al-Islamiyah, uh, Hamas, the Islamic resistance movement, Hamas. So you can see that, this, that the, the symbol of the movement itself uh, promotes violent uh, jihad against their enemies. And in the charter of Hamas, it specifically says that, the, that Israel will continue to exist until Islam obliterates it. And they use that word. They also refer to the protocols of the elders of Zion that uh, the various uh, accusations of uh, Jews controlling the world, um, Jews being, Jews being uh, involved in various conspiracies. So we have a mixture of uh, Islamist ideology, which I will get into in a moment, combined with uh, Nazi, uh, Nazi ideology from World War II, uh, as well as even, even prior to that, Protocols of Elders Resign going back to in, including that going back to uh, the czarist period uh, in Russia. So it's a, it's a, the ideology is a combination of, of all of those things and um, as, we, as we will see further on. 
So I'd like to be very clear, as, uh, as uh, Gunther mentioned a little bit earlier, um, Islam refers to, when we're speaking about it, uh, the, religion, the, the faith of 1. billion people worldwide. And when I, when I say Islam, Islamism or Islamist, I'm referring to a reactionary political ideology, which is derived from a radical and extremist interpretation of Islamic source texts. So for many people, uh, you might say, everything depends on the, on the interpretation. And if you have someone who, who is a radical and extremist and they look at particular text, they can find excuses to do just about anything if you're, if you're talking about that kind of an ideology. But if you are uh, a, a regular believer in, in Islam as a religion, then you don't believe in that because you don't believe in, in uh, a political ideology, you believe in a religion. So Hamas, as well as other radical organizations are basically abusing, uh, abusing the religion of Islam in order to create a political movement uh, that is not theology, but ideology. So with regard to um, Muslim Americans, since we're going to be speaking about the United States, there were two very interesting um, polls that included views of Muslim Americans. So most recent one was the Nationscape poll, which, it, which is a poll of uh, taken during, the, um, uh, during election years in the United States. So the most recent one was 2019 uh, and uh, 2020. And there were some 5,000 um, respondents uh, of this poll. So it's considered to be a good, a good number of, of respondents. Uh, and therefore this was an interesting finding that on the one hand, Muslim Americans display higher levels of anti-Semitism than non-Muslims, but many Muslims harbor little or no negativity toward Jews. And all that, although that seems a bit of a contradiction, if you, if you think about it, there, you can see that there is, there is somewhat of a, uh, a, a differentiation between those who do and those who do not, that there is a significant number of those who do not uh, harbor anti-Semitism. There's an earlier poll from 2011 that was done by uh, Abu Dhabi uh, Gallup. And this was very interesting because the, the, um, the pollsters uh, interviewed American Muslims and they asked them, uh, do any Muslim American groups represent a large percentage of the community? And was really fascinating uh, result of this poll was that 55% 55 of, of uh, males and 42% of females basically uh, said that no national Muslim American organization represents a large percentage of the community. And you can see the, um, the numbers below, none, you can see it's the largest number. Uh, and then you can see the smaller numbers of the, of the other organizations there, um, which, is, which was very, very interesting um, to, to see that, particularly from the standpoint of uh, organizations that are very, very outspoken and have been hostile and have, and have made anti-Semitic anti comments, um, it, it appears that there is a silent majority um, among American Muslims who are not involved with, with these kinds of um, organizations. Uh, so just to give you an idea of the levels of anti-Semitism uh, prior to 2023, uh, the ADL anti-Semitic incidents and this is just, I'm giving you a small, a small example from 2018 to 2022, you see a, con a continual rise and the highest ever recorded 
was in 2022. And the ADL has been uh, studying anti-Semitic everything from vandalism to uh, assaults, um, uh, an entire an entire gamut of um, of, of uh, anti-Semitic activities. So this is 2022 was a very significant year from the standpoint of the incredible number of incidents in the United States. Um, and then if we look at the FBI anti-Semitic, uh, or they, they refer to them as anti-Jewish hate crimes, and uh, they they were studying them for this is from 2016 to 2021. Uh, they had done a a subsequent report. You see a low a lower level in 2021. Uh, the FBI changed their reporting from uh, local law enforcement. They used a different a different system to do reporting of hate crimes, and so they came out with a sec with a secondary report um, in uh, in early uh, 2022 because. They felt that there was a lot of the, a lot of these um, precincts had not reported. They felt that the, the that this number they know actually not that they think they know that the numbers are lower um, for 2022. I'm sorry, excuse me for 2021 because there was not enough reporting and there was a problem with uh, reporting the anti-Semitic uh, incidents. So they are very committed uh, to trying to do a better job at reporting them for 2022 and 2023. They're trying to correct that problem. So the, the narrative is, of Islamist is first uh, a delegitimization of other, of other religions. Um, and um, while, uh, this, this is no longer the case. The Saudis are no longer distributing this type of material, but they were, just, they were distributing material that uh, promoted Christians and, and Jews as non-believers or, or infidels. So this is a quote from the medieval scholar uh, Sheikh Ibn Taymiyyah, upon whose um, uh, I would say ideology is is uh, the basis for a lot of the um, Islamist movements in in the world today. And you can see here, whoever believes that churches are houses of God and that God is worshipped therein, or that what Jews and Christians do constitutes the worship of God and obedience to him, or that God likes such practices, basically he says, they are wrong and they are infidels and you have no reason, no reason to feel kinship with them. So this is already the, the complete antithesis, antithesis of um, interfaith relations, basically saying that other people are not, they, they do not worship the same God as you and that you should not feel any kinship toward them and therefore you should distance yourself from them because they are infidels, and uh, and it gets worse than this. But basic, this is the basic the basis for starting uh, this kind of an ideology um, against Jewish Jewish people and Christians. If we look at um, incidents, violent incidents against um, Jews in the in the United States, uh, there is a history of. Uh, surveillance by Hezbollah against Jewish and Israeli uh, institutions in the United States, uh, most recent of which was in uh, 2017. Uh, we also have inc incidents of surveillance by the Islam well, sorry about that. Uh, incidents of surveillance by the Islamic Revolutionary Guards of Iran in, in Chicago in 2018. Additionally, in 2019, we had four incidents uh, of 
uh, attempted attacks against uh, Jewish institutions by followers of, they were, which were foiled by followers of Al-Qaeda, Hamas, and the Islamic State. And of course, uh, most famously in uh, 2022, we had the, the hostage um, uh, situation uh, in, the, in the synagogue in Colleyville. <clears throat> and as well in, in 2022, there was a, a, young, a young man who was uh, arrested, a follower of Islamic State, who was arrested in New Jersey in 2022, uh, who, uh, uh, his name was Omar al-Qatul, and his, he, he had written a manifesto that he was sharing uh, on, on um, encrypted social media with others called When Swords Collide, which contained threats to attack uh, a synagogue and Jewish people. So there is, there is a, certainly a history of these kinds of incidents occurring um, in this country. And unfortunately, going back even further than that, but these are the most recent ones. So just to give you an idea of, of the ideology of, and the founders of these movements, the founder of, uh, of, the, of the Muslim Brotherhood was named Hassan al-Bana, uh, founded the Muslim Brotherhood and it was uh, in Egypt, and his influence extended to the Arab world, but not only the Arab world, there are followers of his as well throughout the Muslim world, but initially to Egypt and the Arab world. And then a contemporary of his was Abu Alam al-Dudi, who is the founder of Jamaat Islami, of, uh, which is a movement started in Pakistan, Bangladesh, and India. And there are followers of these movements uh, in the United States and throughout the world. Uh, Hassan al-Bana called upon his followers to obliterate Israel, declaring that it will continue to exist until Muslims destroy it themselves. So this is something that Hamas has put into their charter, which is a, a quote from Hassan al-Bana. Uh, the Muslim Brotherhood in Egypt attacked Egyptian Jews while there were still Jews there. They also sent volunteers to fight Israel in 1948. And again, Hamas is the Palestinian counterpart uh, to the Muslim Brotherhood. Maududi, for his part, uh, asserted that the gathering of Jews in Israel is a portent of the end of days when Jews will follow a satanic messiah and then all Jews will be annihilated. So you, you get a flavor of, of the ideology of the, the founders of these movements. The uh, successor, uh, ideologue of the Muslim Brotherhood was Said Qutb, uh, who was executed by, by the Egyptian, uh, by the Nasserist uh, regime in 1966 for trying to overthrow the regime. Uh, Qutb wrote a, a uh, tract after the establishment of the State of Israel called Our War with the Jews, Marakatuna Ma'al Yahud. And Qutb essentially, during World War II, uh, there was great admiration among the Muslim Brotherhood for Hitler, uh, and they participated in, in distributing uh, Nazi uh, propaganda during World War II. So post-World War II, Said Qutub uh, came to uh, write this tract, essentially saying, we Muslims need to complete the job that Hitler started. And this is something that uh, the scholar Matthias Kunzel has written about, uh, and Jeffrey Herf has, has also written about the fact that there is an affinity for 
Nazi ideology among the Muslim Brotherhood and among these movements, uh, and, and they became very popular. So there was a confluence of Nazi ideology together with the Islamist ideology of the Muslim Brotherhood, which still exists today. And the fact that you have this, this, uh, the, this uh, ideologue of the, of the Muslim Brotherhood essentially saying that we are divinely appointed to carry out uh, and continue the job that Hitler started is, is something that is, it, it would have been chilling to hear that in, in 1948, 1950. Um, but even, even more so now, it echoes because of October 7th. The most recent uh, ideologue of the Muslim Brotherhood, uh, the late Yusuf al-Qaradawi, uh, was quite infamous for his speeches, uh, anti-Semitic speeches regarding Jews and Israelis. Uh, he would he would talk about how Jews are cursed, and refer to uh, refer to um, Islamic sources, uh, which refer to Jews as being turned into pigs and monkeys. Uh, and he, as, as well, he would talk about, again, very similar to Said Qutb, picking up on the narrative of Said Qutb to say that Allah has imposed upon the Jews people who would punish them for their corruption. The last punishment was carried out by Hitler. And then he went on to say, the next punishment will be carried out by the hands of the believers, meaning he, meaning he and, his, and his followers. So again, more echoes for October 7th. Um, Al Khalidawi in the early uh, in the in the late 1990s uh, and, or I'm sorry uh, early early 2000 issued a fatwa legitimizing Palestinian suicide bombings targeting Jews and praised them as the greatest form of martyrdom. Should be noted that in in Islam itself uh, suicide is forbidden. So we're talking again we're talking about an ideology, not theology, that he would give permission. That he would say that this is permissible is is uh, is quite unbelievable. But this is what he did, and this is what he said. He encouraged Palestinians to carry out suicide bombings. Uh, he was the founder of the um, Islamic Society of North America headquarters in Plainfield, Indiana. He was involved in raising funds for it. And uh, in 2022, when he passed away, which was a year ago in September. He was mourned by organizations such as uh, the Islamic Society of North America and the Council on American-Islamic Relations, the, the United States um, Council on Muslim Organizations, and the Islamic Circle of North America. So I'll just give you a, a brief overview. This is like a historical overview of the organizations that exist today in the United States. Um, the earliest ones were, were formed by the Muslim Brotherhood, and those include uh, the Islamic Society of North America, the Muslim Students Association, uh, and the, the uh, Islamic Circle by followers of Jama'at Islami. Um, <clears throat> subsequent to them, and then the, these are the, the, the oldest organizations that exist. Uh, later on, we have the, the establishment of pro Hamas organizations, um, the Islamic Association for Palestine which no longer exists, but was they were distributing uh, Hamas tracts. They were distri distributing uh, Hamas leaflets uh, during, during the, even the, the, um, the first intifada uh, in, the, in the 1990s. Uh, and they were closed down after 9-11. And there was a fundraising arm uh, that was doing fundraising for, Maha for Hamas called the Holy Land Foundation. 
um, which was closed in uh, after 9-11 as well. Subsequent um, to them, there's been a reorganization of, of, of groups. Uh, I'm sorry, I should go back for one moment. Uh, one of the other organizations that was promoting um, Hamas, Hamas ideology and, and um, publications uh, is the, the Council on American Islamic Relations. And at one point had their own anti-Semitic uh, publication promoting uh, conspiracy, Jewish conspiracy com controlling um, the United States, that, ty that type of a tract. So there's been somewhat of reorganization um, over the last uh, 10 to 15 years, uh, renaming organizations. Uh, some of them have, re have, have uh, reorganized under, under the umbrella of what is today called the US Coalition of Muslim Organizations, which was established in 2014. We as well have uh, the Students for Justice in Palestine, um, which was established in 2001. And then you have younger organizations which, which represent a red-green alliance, which I'll explain in a moment, uh, uh, called the, Within Our Lifetime, which is, which is a combination of uh, democratic socialists, um, far left-wing organizations, and uh, various factions, uh, pro-Palestinian organizations, or that these, this is an organization that is among the groups that are demonstrating today. The Students for Justice in Palestine as well are among the groups that are demonstrating today. And there's another group as well called Empower Change, also reflecting a red-green alliance combination between um, groups within uh, people with Islamist uh, uh, ideology combined with far left ideology. So these groups, which are the red-green alliance are, are hybrid groups. In other words, these organizations found a way of working together with far left groups in order to uh, normalize, normalize their message and legitimize what they are saying and bring their message to a much wider audience as a result of this uh, alliance between them. I'm sorry, something happened to that. Um, so there, just I'm going to very quickly give you a little bit more about the, the narrative, Islamist nar narrative. And these are these are preachers who have said that who have made these statements in the United States. So number one, uh, quite familiar to anyone who studied the protocols that Jews control the world. And, and you can see that this, this preacher uh, pointed out, again, looking, looking at uh, President Obama carrying out some kind of conspiracy, working together with Rahm Emanuel as being um, part of a, a Jewish conspiracy um, uh, together with the president, and as, as well, David, David Axelrod. Why, do, why does this small number of people have control of the world? Relating, re, again, relating to this trope. Uh, one of the founders of uh, the Council on American Islamic Relations, Omar Ahmad, uh, stated that, that the goal, he, he feels that his goal is for the United States to become an Islamist state. Uh, and and this, is, this is his expression of how he believes that this is going to, uh, going to happen. This has become very familiar after 9-11 um, in this country that accusing Jews of being part of a conspiracy uh, to carry out the 9-11 the attacks. So uh, Sheikh Mohammed Gameha was a former Imam of the Islamic Cultural Center in New York City. And uh, you can see here that um, essentially uh, he claims, again, this is make it, uh, going to uh, pointing to this trope, 
that uh, the Jew, that uh, Zionists referring to Jews behind this act, but none of them have the courage to talk about it, meaning to take to take responsibility that Jews were behind 9-11, but they're not going to take responsibility for it. Uh, this is another preacher, Zaid Shakir. And uh, he's, he's uh, much more blunt. He'd like to see America become a Muslim country. He thinks that it, that it would be a positive thing. And therefore, if he, did, if, he did, if, he wouldn't say, if he didn't believe it, he wouldn't really be a Muslim. In other words, he has to express this in order to demonstrate that he's a Muslim. And therefore, he, he feels that this would be um, a, great, uh, a great outcome for the United States. And then lastly here, we have a very, uh, an individual who became very infamous, Anwar al-Awlaki, who grew up in New Mexico, who eventually went to Yemen to join uh, Al-Qaeda and became a, a leader of Al-Qaeda there and trained members of Al-Qaeda to go carry out uh, terrorist attacks throughout the world. And he basically told his followers that they should not follow what their parents told them. And that's something, again, that is not regular Muslims don't do that. Regular Muslims who do not believe in these kinds of ideologies believe that you should obey your parents. But here, Anwar al-Awlaki, in the name of, of, of this extremist ideology, in, in the name of al-Qaeda, calls upon his followers to go uh, and rebel against their parents, rebel against their family members. He says a wife re rebel against uh, rebel against her husband, children rebel against uh, their parents, etc. in order to wage jihad. But that's more important than being loyal to your family and more important than anything else. So the, the methodology of, uh, of these ideological uh, and radical organizations who follow Islamism first is to preach, uh, to proselytize their ideology. And we've seen that for many, many years in this country. Uh, you, even, you even see it now on the streets, the idea of getting out on the street and, and promoting and, and cheering on Hamas. This is part of, part, of the, it's part of propaganda, but it's also part of proselytization. The idea that Hamas was successful on October 7th means for many people that this is an opportunity to recruit more people toward their cause. So first, the first step is is uh, da'wah. This the, the word da'wah means to invite, but but basically the concept is proselytization uh, and indoctrination. And then you have actually carrying out um, the act itself, the propaganda of the deed. That the deed itself is a sort of um, witnessing, if I use Christian uh, terminology, witnessing uh, the ideology to show the, the supremacy of that ideology, and also again as a way of bringing people into their movement. So I'd like to uh, conclude and open up for questions. Um, you know, first of all, to say there is, there is a continuing um, red-green alliance that, that is apparent in this country. We are seeing demonstrations by, uh, by these organizations right now. Uh, they, they look at October 7th as being a, a, great, um, a great victory, and therefore this is another opportunity for them to bring more people into their movement. But it is also a way of amplifying um, what Hamas has done, and as well intimidating other people, intimidating anyone who wants to stand up for uh, humanity and morality by, by being very loud and being 
uh, very aggressive on the streets and on campus. Um, and, and the fact that they've had um, uh, in increased access, and this is something that not just Hamas, but other organizations, so they've, had, they've, all had, they've all learned from each other and they, they have a global reach, uh, learning from each other and imitating each other. But this is, this is some, and the fact that they are as well um, operating in Western countries is something that has really changed uh, the entire situation. There, October 7th is, is just as September 10th was for the United States, October 7th, oh, sorry, October 6th was for Israelis, but I think that this is much, much broader uh, for the entire world. And so therefore um, we need to be uh, more vigilant with regard to these organizations. We need to be aware of their goals um, and the um, and any effort, any kind of effort against them includes speaking out against them, uh, as well as the security dealing with the security issues that are related to them. But there is a very wide swath of of area that needs to be uh, addressed, and that includes um, how do we talk about it in our society? How do we talk about these things in our society? We need to be very clear about extremists versus regular people who are not involved with such organizations. Um, but as well, we need to be clear about uh, who these organizations are and the fact that, um, that they're promoting um, this type of ideology in the United States as well as throughout the world. So, uh, so with that, I'd like to um, open up for any questions that, that you may have. And um, I, see, I saw there were several people who already were uh, raising their hands.